Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we're going to have Aaron Radish, a history professor at Wayne State University who specializes in Soviet and Russian history, here to talk about Donald Trump and the Russians, and a story that just keeps getting better or more interesting or maybe more frightening. Uh, with each week, I feel like uh, any week that I don't talk to Aaron, in fact, I feel like I'm a little uh, behind or uh, out of uh, sorts in terms of figuring out what is really going on between the Russian government and the transition team of Donald Trump, what has gone on in the past. Lots of revelations uh, coming out about that. So we're going to talk about that uh, in the second half of the show. But up front, today is the last full day of the Obama presidency. Tomorrow, we're going to have a new president at noon, one who comes into office under a cloud of some controversy. He's got low approval ratings and an already contentious relationship with the press. But President-elect Donald Trump also begins his term with a long list of promises and hopes for many working-class Americans. If you listen to this show regularly, you have heard lots of folks from here in Detroit, in uh, southeast Michigan, in Macomb County, especially talking about uh, their enthusiasm for the things that Donald Trump will do. There will, of course, be a huge crowd in Washington tomorrow for inauguration, but this year, it's going to be a mix of fervent supporters and vehement protesters. And then, of course, after inauguration, uh, there will be a, I expect, even larger gathering of women uh, protesting the inauguration of Donald Trump. How will the deep divisions in American society affect Trump's first year in office? And what are we in for in this first hundred days of a new presidential administration? I want to hear from you guys today a lot about this. What are you expecting out of the Trump administration in the early, uh, in its sort of early outset, uh, these next hundred days or so? Also, uh, call and tell me what you're thinking about uh, President Barack Obama. What are you thinking about the legacy he leaves behind? Uh, talk to me about the things that he did that you will remember, uh, either fondly or maybe not so fondly. Uh, let's talk today about this transition of power from Obama to Trump, which takes place tomorrow at noon. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, uh, or go to Twitter and hashtag uh, Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. And joining us now to talk about inauguration and uh, the opening days of the Trump administration is Rebecca Cinderbrand. Uh, she is the political editor at the Washington Post. Rebecca, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, so uh, as someone who worked in Washington for a time and lived on the East Coast for a time, I'm pretty familiar with how nutty inauguration always is. I mean, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty unmanageable uh, crowd generally. I mean, a, a bigger crowd than you tend to see in in Washington. But somehow I imagine that uh, tomorrow's inauguration will be different from uh, the others that, that, that I've been to or, or, or watched on television. Is that the sense that people in Washington have about what's going on? Uh, give us a sense of how the city feels and looks today, 24 hours before 
uh, inauguration and how that compares to uh, 2008 or 2012 or 2000 uh, inaugurations that I that I attended. Oh, sure. Well, you know, it's a safe bet, you know, this year that things are going to be different than they've been in the past. That we know. Um, there are the things that we already know will be different. And then there's the wild cards, the things that we're going to be watching for, but we don't yet quite know what to expect. So, you know, some of the things that we know are going to be different are, of course, um, it's going to be a little bit, for better or worse, lower on star power this year. Yeah. Um, you just don't have the celebrities. You don't have um, the, the big names that you tend to have swirling around a presidential inauguration in either party, um, Democratic or Republican, certainly not co- uh, comparable to President Obama's recent inauguration. And, you know, a lot of people who support Donald Trump would say that's a good thing. That's something that they want. Of course, it's not what Donald Trump himself had said we would be seeing at this event. Um, you know, we already know that um, there are going to be protests, far bigger protests um, than we've seen over the past couple of inaugurations. Um, so, you know, we don't know yet quite what the size of those crowds will wind up being, how they'll compare, but it'll be interesting to see how those two groups interact in the Capitol this weekend. Um, and we already know, and this is just for the people who are covering and actually attending the event in person, that the weather is going to be better than what we've seen for the past <laughs> few inaugurations. Right. And, and the interesting thing about that will be to see how that might impact what happens, how that might impact protests and other activities. You know, for President Obama's first inauguration, it was one of the coldest days you can remember in Washington in quite some time. Um, This year, we're expecting temperatures in the 50s, so we'll uh, see how that plays out. Yeah. Uh, Is there a sense uh, that... um is there a sense that the protests uh, are are are, um, are perhaps going to be bigger than the inauguration itself? I mean, I've I've seen some reports about that. You know, we'll have to see how it plays out. You know, we should mention, of course, another difference, and this is perhaps the biggest, most notable protest of all, not in terms of size, but in terms of visibility, and that is the number of Democratic lawmakers who are skipping the inauguration. Um, We're up above five dozen and counting at this point. Uh, That, of course, is not typical. You do not tend to see that. There were a handful of people in the past um, who've skipped inaugurations, of course, notably um, President Bush's first inauguration. Um, there were a handful of Democratic lawmakers. This was very soon after the recount um, when, you know, attentions were so high and there were questions and so the feelings were raw and some people skipped nowhere near the numbers that we're seeing this year. Yeah. Um, notably, no senators yet. Um, the senators will be there as of now and no Democratic senator has said that they will not be in attendance. Um, but the number of Democratic um, members of Congress how, from the House of Representatives who are skipping um, has just been growing and growing over the course of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. Uh, my guest is Rebecca Cinderbrand. She's a political editor at The Washington Post. We are talking about Inauguration Day, which is tomorrow at noon tomorrow. The uh, power over our government, the responsibility for our government transfers from Barack Obama to Donald Trump. And as happens every four years, our uh, big ceremonies and parties plan to mark that occasion. This year, uh, unlike some other years, I think it's going to look uh, a little different in terms of the size of the protests, perhaps, and so in terms of the size of the ceremonies themselves. Lots of people saying they are not going to participate in uh, inauguration this year. Uh, give us a call. Uh, talk about uh, what you expect out of 
uh, the inaugural ceremony tomorrow. Uh, tell me if you're going to watch. Uh, you want to hear the speech, perhaps, that Donald Trump is uh, says he's preparing at his winter White House at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, what do you th- what do you want to hear from him in that speech? What would make you uh, optimistic, I guess, about his administration that he might say uh, tomorrow? Also, call and talk to about Barack Obama. This is the last full day that he will be president of the United States. He's been president for eight years, of course. Uh, Talk about the things that you will remember about Barack Obama, things that he did that you either uh, thought fondly of or maybe not so fondly. 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019 to join the conversation. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Jordan on Facebook says, uh, I will be attending the Women's March in D.C. on the 21st. I believe the collective must use our voices to keep President-elect Trump accountable. Uh, I know lots of people who are also going to that march uh, on the 21st. Uh, so that's a, a pretty common sentiment uh, in my little social circle right now. Uh, what do you think about it? Are you going to the march on the 21st or are you going to inauguration? Tomorrow in Washington. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. Let's go to the phones here. Uh, Ken in St. Clair Shores. Ken, welcome to Detroit Today. Well, thank you, Stephen. I love your show. Thank you. I appreciate um, that. One thing, uh, I'm, I'm from Macomb County, and I voted Democratic. And um, But one thing I see here is a huge opportunity for the Republicans to sway Democratic voters on a more permanent basis if they really do good things for the working man here, you know, uh-huh. instead of, I think it's just a good thing that they could do here. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's the anticipation uh, that people, particularly in your corner of the world, uh, can are 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 thinking about. You know, uh, what will happen or what will uh, President Trump do to try to make things better? And, you know, here, here's a question I have for you, Ken. Is, is that about jobs for you or is it about something bigger? Because uh, there's no question here in Michigan over the last eight years, we've grown a lot of jobs, uh, principally because of the auto bailouts that, that saved our, our, our you know, largest industry, but also because of some of the things that uh, Governor Rick Snyder has done in terms of tax structure and things like that. Uh, is it something other than... Ex- is it something other than jobs that you're looking for the government to sort of focus on or or improve? Absolutely. I, I'm 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 58 years old, so I'm close. I've retired once, and I'm working on a second retirement. And uh, so, it, medical benefits are huge to me uh-huh. uh, for my elder years. And uh, with the repeal of Obamacare that they're talking about, if they really, you know, which which I'm kind of sad because. I think if both parties would have really worked together on things, they could have came up with a really super-duper plan for everybody. But because, of, because President Obama got fought so hard, they, they didn't, he was one-sided. And I think the Republicans here, if they really put their heads together, could come up with something that could really help all the American people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ken, uh, great Great comments, and thanks very much for the call. Uh, Rebecca Sinderbrand, of course, uh, the discussion about 
the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare or whatever you want to call it, uh, is pretty hot right now on Capitol Hill. Uh, there is still this debate about what to do if you repeal it. Uh, give us a sense of, of where that all stands and where you expect it to sort of head after Inauguration Day. Oh, sure. Well, of course, a lot of this motion has started before um, the inauguration. There's been a lot of discussions on Capitol Hill um, between um, aides from the incoming administration and Republican leaders on the Hill about what's going to happen. Um, Donald Trump seemed to surprise a lot of Republicans on the Hill um, with what he had to say about um, the plan to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act. Um, they didn't seem to um, recognize the discussions in what it was he was saying. They weren't quite sure what he was talking about when he spoke with us um, over the weekend about um, his health care plan. So there's a lot of questions swirling. You know, one of the curveballs, of course, was the CBO coming out with this score predicting the number of people who are likely to lose insurance benefits um, if the Affordable Care Act was repealed. Now, we, of course, have to note that this would be in the absence of a replacement for it. Um, then again, of course, we still don't have that replacement in hand. It's something that's, of course, been a matter of discussion for years here in Washington about precisely what it is that Republicans will put forward, how they will pay for it, who will be covered. Um, And Trump and his team have set the bar rather high over the past few weeks in particular. They've not only predicted that, you know, no one will lose their benefits who currently has benefits, um, they've now said that, you know, they're going to make sure everyone who isn't covered is covered. Right. Um, that is that's something a that is a very uh, tough promise to, to make. Yeah. And that's something that obviously that's the kind of promise that President Obama even um, ran into some trouble with. You know, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. Um, when you make those sorts of very specific promises, um, if someone does not get to hold on to their plan or maintain some sort of benefits, um, they'll remember. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's go back uh, to the phones here. Lots of people want to talk about uh, Obama, talk about Trump. Uh, let's go to Jamal in Midtown. Jamal, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, how you doing, man? Good. How are you? Not too bad. Um, one, I will be watching the inauguration. Uh-huh. Uh, the last five minutes, I plan on standing and saluting Obama on his way out. <laughs> um I hope others will follow. <laughs> but, but what I wanted to say was my two comments about his legacy is, one, I think the Republicans are going to uh, raise and heighten his legacy way more than they intended to, with the many ways that they fought him and obstructed against him and the, uh-huh. many, the many ways that he tried to be inclusive. You know, in the beginning of his presidency, he had a little sit down with different Republicans and, and tried to put on, you know, some type of bipartisan show. Trump's not going to do that. And then secondly, um, so I think they're going to raise his, his legacy as, as time goes on, uh-huh. because people are going to remember what he tried to the accomplish way he versus did it. what yeah going on and secondly i think that um you know he for a lot of people for some people black brown some people in urban environments as much as they fought for him as much as they do support him there's going to be a little bit of disappointment Mm -hmm. that with all of the things he had to focus on perhaps he didn't focus enough on them yeah you know uh, uh, there are a lot of uh, pieces being written now about the obama legacy and a lot of them uh, that are written by African Americans uh, sort of reflect that 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 slight disappointment, I guess I would call it, uh, at at the uh, the opportunity that didn't pan out. Right, the the idea that the first African American president could do more to change uh, the the lot of African Americans uh, in this country. Specifically, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people feel like uh, he never really got to that space, and there are lots of reasons. 
uh, for that. But uh, but I think that disappointment is is one of the things that uh, that we'll hear a lot about over the next uh, over the next couple of months and years. Um, Jamal, thanks very much uh, for the call and for the thoughts. Uh, let's go to Sheila in Macomb Township. Sheila, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, uh, hey. Rebecca. I am a fan of yours. I've been following you on Twitter, and you've provided a lot of great insights um, over the last several months. I'm curious what your take is on some of these independent groups that are coming into Washington to ostensibly provide security for the inauguration. Um, the bikers are the main one that I'm thinking of, but have you ever seen anything like that before? That's a fantastic question. You know, one of the things um, that was notable during the campaign season is this is a theme that came up again, you recall, during the convention. Um, and there was the, the possibility raised of groups such as bikers and others coming in to provide kind of freelance um, security for, um, for Donald Trump and his team. And that never really quite materialized in yeah. the way that people thought it would. Um, as of now, there's no indications that there's a significant number of people um, headed to Washington in anything near the numbers of, of let's say, protesters or, or even hardcore protesters. Um, so we'll have to see exactly how that materializes. Um, there's a lot of unanswered questions right now. Um, Certainly, um, you have some people who are very motivated on that front, um, who sit yep. uh, Donald Trump being elected. Um, but we'll see how that um, how those two groups interact with each other once they arrive and what the numbers are. You know, uh, the, the uh, of course, anyone uh, who who follows the presidency knows that it's the you know the Secret Service uh, has an incredible sort of uh, array of. Uh, mechanisms and uh, protocols that that attend security for the president. Has there been any sense that the Secret Service is nervous or annoyed uh, with with these these kind of uh, ad hoc or freelance efforts? Well, the Secret Service tends not to, you know, be talk terribly much, right? vocal about <laughs> uh, their security of their security preparations surrounding the president. We do know that, you know, there have been, as there always are, um, threats of some kind. We do know that there are certainly precautions being taken, strong precautions um, being taken at this point. Um, Absolutely, the Secret Service is not necessarily eager to have freelance help um, from the public. You know, they, they know how to do their job, and they, they prefer to do their job. We also would note, of course, that um, in the zone surrounding the inauguration area, there are very similar restrictions as there were during the conventions. Um, and these restrictions don't just involve um, weapons, which, of course, you know, in general, the District of Columbia is very um, limited to, as to who can, can carry. But, of course, um, even more restricted within this zone, and this even goes down to the carrying of umbrellas, um, which is notable because it, it rain was called for in some of the forecasts, <laughs> but people may be out of luck because certain kinds of umbrellas are restricted within that zone. So that's how seriously um, they're taking security precautions. Yeah. Uh, Sheila uh, in Macomb Township, thanks very much uh, for your call and for your question. Uh, Rebecca, that's a big deal. You've got a fan in Macomb County. You can uh, oh, probably, you. in so Washington these days, here. you could probably make something out of that, right? <laughs> uh, uh, let's go to uh, Christy and Celine. Christy, welcome oh, to I, Detroit Today. How are you? Yeah, Thank good. you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I um, basically... You know, um, I just want you to know I'm, I'm not a Trump supporter, um, and I think that as far as the Democrats not 
attending the inauguration. I think that's their prerogative to not attend. However, I think that their behavior and their grandstanding is divisive. Um, I think that, you know, yeah, if you don't want to go, just keep quiet and don't go. But you're, you know, you're causing more anger. You're, you know, you're kind of instigating there. The second thing I wanted to say is that, yeah, there's a lot of people really bummed out about the repeal of Obamacare. And there's been a lot of talk about Obamacare. Um, but what I would like to mention was that when uh, Mr. Obama was in, you know, brought into office in 2009, he had a mandate. He had his party controlled both houses. Yeah. He could have passed a, you know, reconciliation just like the GOP just did so that they could pass a public option or Medicare for all with a simple majority. However, um, Mr. Obama opted for his bipartisan games, and now I think that his legacy, you know, if that doesn't get talked about enough, and that his legacy, that should be part of it, that, you know, he decided to pretend that he needed bipartisan support when he really didn't, and he was brought into office with a mandate for health care and hoping. Yeah, uh, Christy, now, the last thing, yeah, go I'm ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I have one other thing is that all this attention around Obamacare, but I think that more attention needs to be brought to the fact that he just signed a huge piece of defense legislation that is basically giving a $1 trillion uh, open checkbook to a nuclear submarine, 10-year <laughs> uh, trillion nuclear submarine uh, defense, um, you know, for that. And then also that... Um, he just signed, it, it, what was also included in that legislation was a propaganda uh, a piece that now allows the federal government to, uh, you know, block any type of news that they deem uh, as propaganda. Right. Okay. So, I mean, not, you know, that's not getting talked about in certain, you know, certain news outlets, like there's Al Jazeera, you know, foreign news outlets, um, like... I don't know what's a couple other ones, uh, Der Spiegel. I mean, just different. They are, like, being blocked now on Twitter and on Facebook for the inauguration huh. because they're deemed by the government as a propaganda network. Yeah. Uh, Christy, was- Christy, thanks very much uh, for the call. A lot, a lot to unpack there. <laughs> uh, I, 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 there is a lot to unpack yeah. there. I, I would just say briefly to, to each of those points, uh, to the first point talking about, um, you know, the, the boycott of Democratic lawmakers, yeah. that actually is something that is very controversial even within the party. There within is exactly party, yeah. that discussion that she was talking about. And in fact, the discussion of whether or not it might play into Trump's hands, um, it contributes to the perception that Democrats are being um, unprecedentedly partisan in some way. Um, and so that is a matter of debate on Capitol Hill. And on the other side, you have people who say this actually, this election did break precedence and we have to reflect that in some way. So that's a discussion you're going to see um, continue. Um, on the Obama legacy, of course, it's very, what happened in 2009 is very complicated and there's a lot more going on there that, than we can get into um, in, in this brief amount of time. Certainly, um, the tenuousness of the majority um, that President Obama was dealing with yeah. Um, yeah. In the first part of his term was was certainly a factor, but yes, the, the, there is of course a continuing debate, and there will be a debate over how quickly um, he recognized kind of the shift 
um, in, in just how partisan Washington had become. A lot of people were slow to realize that, and Democrats have been critical of, you know, the speed with which he recognized that. Um, but, you know, in the polls we have, and this is actually something that, that surprises, it may be a function of how partisan the public is becoming. It may be um, some, a, a function of comparison. We don't know precisely why. But when you ask people how history will rank President Obama in the most recent polls we've seen from Gallup and others, um, a majority of the public says that he will be ranked above average or one of the best. And that is far, far higher than we've seen for any other recent president, yeah, yeah. Um, including usually by the time, so. Yeah, usually by the time they leave, we've sort of had enough of them. Uh, uh, and, of course, then their their approvals rise over time, right? Uh, George H.W. Bush, for instance, is thought of much more finely now than he was when he left uh, office, uh, as is, as is uh, Bill Clinton. Uh, but, but Obama is leaving with... Uh, an incredibly uh, strong approval rating, much higher, in fact, than uh, than Donald Trump has coming into the office. Right. He's at he's at sixty percent in in poll, several polls that came out this week, including our own, um, where Donald Trump again is around forty percent in several polls, including ours. Yeah. Okay, uh, Rebecca Cinderbrand, uh, political editor at the Washington Post, as always. Thanks for being with us on Detroit today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Up next, uh, we're going to talk about Trump's interest in Russia, but we're going to also continue the conversation about uh, the Obama presidency, the upcoming Trump legacy, especially with the callers, the listeners. Give us a call three one three five seven seven one zero one nine three one three five seven seven one zero one nine to talk about what you expect from Donald Trump, what you will think. Of of uh, Barack Obama as he leaves office. Uh, go to the Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And stay with us on the phones. Benji in Huntington Woods, Vince in Lake Orion. We'll get to you guys too. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Mm-hmm. 